if you got your Bible, open it up to Genesis chapter 2, verse number 23, uh, 24, and 25. We're, we're concluding our series today called United Front. And uh, this, this, this message this morning has to do with the family unit. If you've been here for uh, the entirety of this series, then you know we started with that uh, we're united to God, right? And God's enormous. He's big. We're united to Him, but we're also united to His kingdom, right? And in, in His kingdom, there's the global church, the eternal church, there's the local church, and then we're also united to His church. I encourage you, a lot of people missing last week. I noticed the people traveling and doing all type of stuff uh, with the kids being out of school. But I encourage you, if you missed last week, you really need to listen to United Pursuit because it talks about us as a local body. So we go from God to His kingdom to His church. But now this morning, I want to look at the family unit or I want to end it with having a united front within your family. Now, I, this is my wedding ring right here. And uh, on the inside of this wedding ring, I had a scripture engraved on it. My wife has the same one uh, engraved on the inside of her. I've had this wedding ring now. I've never, I've never lost it. How many ever lost one of these and got in trouble? Right? You only get in trouble if you don't find it. Eric told me the other day he lost his and he mowed his whole grass and he said, God, you're going to have to help me find it. And then he found it laying in the grass where he had mowed, sitting right there. So uh, it, this is something you don't want to lose, right? You get big trouble, boys and girls. Then uh, we got to teach our kids. So, but I remember whenever my wife and I, whenever we got married, we got married at Church of the Good Shepherd here in Lake Charles. That's a downtown church where my wife was raised. And then, uh, in fact, I brought a picture, put my picture up there. There's a picture of me uh, and my wife. Now, the picture that, that you're going to see, it's a Polaroid. How many of y'all remember what a Polaroid is? Y'all remember? Look, that's, that's us the, at the altar uh, making out. Ow! <laughs> Uh, uh, you, may kiss, you may kiss your bride. The, that's the only good picture we really have. Uh, that's why it's a Polaroid is we hired a photographer. But every time he would say he, he was about to take our picture, he would tap his head and he would say, look right here. Look right here. So in all of our pictures, I'm like this. <laughs> it's horrible. Every picture we're in the limo and I'm going. I mean, I'm looking, it looks like I'm looking out in outer space. So the only really good picture, the only one that's really displayed is, uh, is, is that one. But I remember my wife cut, cut in the corner, you know, and then they play the music. Yes, that one. I like charge. Charge. You know, that one. So she comes down and, you know, and there's there's the the ceremony. And then I remember them throwing rice, you know, and doing all that. And then uh, we went to Acapulco for our uh, honeymoon. How many of y'all how many y'all know anybody with a timeshare? That's how we wound up at Acapulco, right? I've never been to Acapulco, never heard of Acapulco. We were actually going to go to the Poconos uh, is where we were going to go because that was a good budget-friendly. But, uh, man, thank God that there's people in our lives with timeshares that, that will give a brother a week and say, will you donate a week to the cause? So uh, someone donated a week of their timeshare to us so that we could... Uh, go to Acapulco and have our honeymoon and, and all that type of good stuff. But how many of y'all know the honeymoon, the, the honeymoon ends? How many of y'all know what I'm talking about? How many of y'all know then you got to go home, 
right? Uh, and the, the sinks, they leak and the dog poops on the floor and you got to go to your job and life happens, right? And there's always things that are coming in that try to bring division. God's always uh, 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 warning us that, that there's an enemy that tries to divide us from him. There's an enemy that tries to divide us from his kingdom. There's an enemy that tries to divide us from his church. But there's also an enemy that's always trying to bring division in the family unit or in homes. How many of y'all know that, that I, the, the institution of marriage, unlike any other time in history in our nation for sure, is, is under attack? I mean, it's just, it, it's unbelievable. Uh, but, but the good news is, as Jesus said, whenever you start seeing all these calamities and, and every six minutes somebody dies for the sake of the gospel, there's a martyr every six minutes. Whenever you have these high divorce rates and all this crazy, Jesus said, cheer up. He says, lift up your eyes because your redemption draweth nigh. He says, whenever, even though there's all this craziness going on, our hope is in him. He says, you can lift up your eyes. You might as well look up. He says, go ahead and be of good cheer. Because even though there's craziness going on, he says, I have overcome the world. And he that sits in the heavens, he laughs. He laughs at impossibility. He laughs at the schemes and the strategies that the enemy tries to bring against his church, his kingdom, and his families he laughs at it he will not win how many y'all know that the devil is under our feet come on can I get it amen he's under our feet so but but there's always this attack so I want to look at the the verse that I have on the inside of my ring is this Genesis chapter 2 verse 24 because this is God's original design the first institution that God created on this planet was the institution of marriage and we know that the, this is a familiar passage of scripture. The verse, it just says uh, that the two shall become one. Everybody say one. one. So God's original design was for Adam and Eve to be and live and dwell as one. And if you know the story, God says he's, God made the sun and it was good. God made the moon and it was good. God made the trees and it was good. And God made the, the, the animals and it was Good. And everything God made, he says, it was good. But then he made man and he says, it is not good. Really interesting. After everything that he made was good, he fashioned Adam out of his image and his likeness, breathed his life in him. And that dirt became a living, speaking spirit created in the image and likeness of God to rule and reign this planet. Bam. And yet he says, it's not good. For man to be alone. In other words, God, it's not that God made a mistake. God just knows that life is better to go through with people. It's just better to go through. You're twice as effective. He said, one can put a thousand to flight, but two can put 10,000 to flight. In other words, you're 10 times more effective on this planet whenever you got somebody that is on the front lines with you. When you got somebody to lock arms with you and you got somebody that, that will fight with you, you're 10 times more effective than you ever would be alone. So God said, it is not, uh, it's not good for man to be alone. So he puts Adam in a sleep and, and he cuts open his side and uh, removes a rib and fashions this, this other being out of Adam, out of singular Adam. 
came another. It was an addition to him, not separate from him. It was like another part of him. My arm is not separate to me. It's, it's, it's connected to me. It's one with me. So whenever he took that rib out and made, it was not another being. It was an extension of that oneness. It was two people that are now functioning. He sees them as one. In fact, if you look in verse number 23, we're going to read this because this is right after Adam wakes up. Adam wakes up in verse number 23. And Adam said, this is now bone of my bones. Come on, this is not just some more dirt here. He said, no, no, no. This is bone of my bone. This is flesh of my flesh. And she shall be called woe, what? Man. Woe, man. Watch that. That's important now. It says, because she was taken out of man. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and be united or be joined to his wife. And they shall become one flesh. Everybody say one. God's original design was there for there there to be this inseparable unity. And it says, and they were both naked. Now, we know that's a typo in the South. It's naked, right? (laughs) They were both naked as a jaybird. Who knows what a jaybird is? I don't know. But my daddy would always say naked as a jaybird. You might have a daddy like that. Boy, you're naked as a jaybird. And I'm thinking, what is a jaybird? And why is he naked? (laughs) But they were both naked, and the man and his wife, they were not ashamed. God's original design, out of this man came woe-man. And most theologians believe that they were both named Adam. Man-Adam and woe-man-Adam. God saw them, and they called that they had one name, one purpose, one direction. Whenever my wife and I, we got married, we both are now Burns, Right? Because we on fire, Uh, we're both burns, right? She took, there was a oneness, a unity there. So most theologians, they believe that she was called, she was woman Adam and man Adam. Eve wasn't named Eve until after the fall. After the sin, after, after they both fell, then Adam named her Eve. God did not name her Eve. Why did, why did Adam name her Eve? Well, if you look, after the fall, God pronounced three curses. He cursed the serpent. He said, from now on, you will have no legs. You will crawl on your belly. And he cursed Adam. He said, from now on, there's going to be some difficulty. And he goes through that. He told Eve, he said, from now on, you're going to have some difficulty. And he said, and, and man will rule over you. Well, if you look back at Genesis chapter 2, God told Adam, he says, Adam, you're going to take dominion and rule over all of creation. Your job is to subdue it, take dominion and name it. Whatever you call creation, that's what creation will be called. So the minute God God said, from now on, man will rule over you, it says, and Adam called her Eve. He named her Eve. Why? Because now there is this man is over woman. Now, before you throw a high heel at me, uh, we have to dodge any high heels. Before uh, y'all get too bent out of shape, anybody, uh, what, what, what the devil messed up in the garden, how many of y'all know Jesus made right? 
And in the New Testament, man is still the spiritual head of the household. But God restored the unity that Adam and woman once had. And if you look in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 22, it says, For as in Adam all died, but in Christ all will be made what? alive. We're all alive. In Adam all died, but in Christ we're all alive. Or in other words, another verse says that what, what, what Adam messed up, Jesus made right. So the original design of the Garden of Eden was for there to be man and woman, a functioning unit, united with God and united with each other. But how many of y'all know that there came a division into their relationship? Whenever they stopped looking at God and started looking at stuff, whenever they put their attention off of each other and started putting their attention on what, what was being offered to them. There was a wedge that came in whenever they started listening to voices contrary to the voice of God. And, they, and, and Eve started entertaining thoughts. And Adam didn't do what he was supposed to do as a husband. Then in came this wedge that, that, that starts... To, to, to bring a division or disunify that. But thank God in the New Testament, Jesus put it all back together. But how many of y'all know just because he put it all back together doesn't mean that we can just rest on our laurels? How many of y'all know that the devil, he's the same and he's going to keep bringing these divisions. He's still always trying to get to, to us to look at certain things or to, to, to give our attention other places. He's still in the division business and he must be doing pretty well. Because what, 60% now of marriages, Christian marriages, end in divorce. So you can't say that, 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 that being a Christian is the answer. Because how many of y'all know Adam and Eve, they weren't Christians, but they were doing okay. I mean, I think they're doing okay. They're doing okay. I mean, he'd tell tigers what to do. Get over here, tiger. And he was not a Ringling brother. Uh, I, mean, he, I mean, he had dominion over the whole stinking earth and was crowned with the glory of God. And yet an outside influence divided that whole family and busted up. All of creation. But praise God, Jesus put it back together. Last verse I'll give you is First Peter, verse number 3, 7 on these lines. And it says, husbands, First Peter 3, 7, it says, Husbands, dwell with your wife with understanding. It's a good verse for you, boys. Giving honor to your wife as the weaker vessel, uh, physically speaking, but as being heirs together. Of the grace of life. So in other words, in the New Testament, even though the man is the spiritual head of the household, God has brought back his, the, the unit of the husband and the wife. And now they are heirs together of God's grace. I mean, I know there's a grace to be married. I mean, I know you need that grace. Yeah. <laughs> Amen, you do. But thank God that it's there, that there is a grace that's there for us. So I want to look at. I read this article. And I'm going to read it to you. How many of y'all can uh, uh, listen and pay attention at the same time? I know sometimes when people read to you. You can kind of zone out. But it's important. Because I want to look at this. Because whenever me and my wife got back from Acapulco. Right. It, it was life happened. And, uh, and, and we have to learn how to stick together. Right. I told you the overarching theme of this whole. Uh, this, this whole 
uh, series is, is if nothing else, we are united. Do we fight? Yeah, sometimes. Do we squabble? Yeah, sometimes. Do we see eye to eye? No, uh, I promise you we don't. She was raised different than I was raised. I was raised by, uh, you know, just my, my parents were, were different. Uh, my, dad, my dad was, uh, he was a man's man, right? And her dad's in his 80s, right? She was raised by Oh, an older guy, right? I can't imagine. Like, she grew up, her daddy was 60, basically. I was like, golly, I can't believe. But they're just, they're just raised different, right? So, so there's always differences. But, but we have to stay. If nothing else, we are united. So I want to read some of this article that says, Sue had just gotten back from our honeymoon. And yet, here she was, pouring out her tragic tale. Marriage just wasn't what she had expected. The glow of those courtship days was already waning. Bob's attentive devotion was turning to unreasonable demands and caustic criticism. And she could feel bitterness rising inside her. And I, as a pastor and marriage counselor, I wasn't surprised to hear that another marriage was in trouble. But so soon. And while the timing of Bob and Sue's problem may have been exceptional, the reality of it is, is this is all too typical. Let's face it, the institution of marriage has come upon hard times. Psychiatrists, psychologists, and sociologists are telling us that the foundations for stable homes have been eroded and that the whole institution is in danger of collapse. Statistics seem to support their claim. In 1900, about 1 in 12 marriages ended in divorce. By 1922, the number had risen to 1 in 8. And then we moved to 1 in 3 marriages ends in divorce. And now it has evolved to 1 in 2 marriages. Since most divorces produce emotional scars that adversely affect the marriages of following generation, the prospects is even more bleak for the future. 25% of millennials say they will never get married. Interesting. One in four said, I'll never get married. They say, well, what's the point, right? What's the point of getting married? So the, the whole institution, the, the many people, they won't even buy into God's original design. And then other people that buy into it, they, it's warped and perverted and twisted, and it's just not what God originally intended. He says there's more. Census reports indicate that a frightening number of husbands and wives, they live separated from each other. Add to this the millions of couples who live under the same roof, but listen, but they are separated in spirit. And the outlook is even dimmer. Sometimes these homes are openly acknowledged battlegrounds, and sometimes there is a mutually tolerated truce. He goes his way and she goes hers. And never the twain shall meet. They may, re may remain married for the sake of the children or for their reputations. But instead of enjoying heavenly bliss, they endure a virtual hell on earth. After interviewing 2,000 couples, one prominent marriage counselor reported that 70% of women and 60% of men said that they would not marry the same partner if they had to do it over. What a crazy statistic. I wouldn't, I wouldn't marry them. I would marry it. It wouldn't be them. It's horrible. Most reported that they wouldn't even marry at all. As a pastor in whom people confide, I can attest that Christian homes are not exempt from this kind of marital unhappiness. 
We hear of marital unfaithfulness among Christians, of resentment, bitterness between Christian marriage partners, loud outbursts of temper, long periods of silence, cutting criticism, and and declining affection. All of these are symptoms of sick and unhappy homes. Such people are a poor advertisement of the peace, purpose, and power that Jesus Christ offers. For Christ's sake, as well as for our own well-being, we need to give serious attention to making our marriages work. So what is the cause of the breakdown of our homes? Sociologists have suggested several reasons for it. And if you've got your worship guide, I've gave you six blanks there. And this is, this is not out of the Bible. This is a sociologist. This is after doing a bunch of research and study. But I think it's important that we write down and we, we acknowledge some of the things that come in and try to bring uh, uh, divisions amongst us. The first one that they, that they, that they uh, acknowledge is mobility. Mobility. One out of three families in which the husband is under 35 moves each year. And this tends to breed insecurity and instability. Number two, technology. The depersonalization of human beings in our computerized society has resulted in loneliness, aimlessness, frustration, despair, and self-pity. And they are not conducive for successful marriages. The average person looks at their phone a hundred times a day. Or ten times an hour. It's ten times an hour. I saw... (laughs) I saw a video yesterday of this couple that they were eating and this guy wouldn't get off of his phone. So the woman got a roll of tape out and she took a big piece of packing tape and took his phone and taped it to her forehead <laughs> so, that, so that while they're at dinner, he would actually look at her forehead, look at her head while they were eating dinner. You know, I hear Chick-fil-A now that if you go there, you can drop your phone in like a little box or something so that you can eat with your family without being distracted by technology. Thank God for technology. But how many of y'all know it is messing some people up? It is jacking some people up. And it used to say, well, it's jacking up the next generation or jacking up millennials. But us old people, are, are we're just as bad as anybody else. We can't kid ourselves anymore. My father-in-law, who's in his 80s, he's got him an iPhone. He rocking it. <laughs> so, I mean, it, we used to blame it on them. It ain't them. It's all of us now. It, it, it comes in and it, it messes things up. Number three, the sexual revolution. Premarital, extramarital affairs are the, the most deadly and destructive forces attacking, attacking marriages today. I read Proverbs chapter 5, which is a great, Proverbs 5, 6, and 7 uh, deal with this subject. Really fascinating. But, but, but Solomon is warning his sons. And he says, he says, boys, there is a woman who's married, but she lets men uh, come in the back door of her home to be with her. And Solomon says, don't even look down her street. What good advice from a dad to a son. He says, don't even look down her street. Don't even turn the computer on. Don't even go down that road or it's going to miss it's going to mess you up. I mean, I know that wisdom's the same yesterday, today, and forever. There are some roads that you just better not even look down or they, they'll mess you up. Number four, materialism. Our materialistic culture practically eliminates 
meaningful, impersonal relationships necessary for a happy home. Keeping up with the Joneses. Working. Work, 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 work. There's a new wave of people. Y'all have seen these TV shows. They're getting these tiny homes. How many of y'all seen these? Like the size of a porta potty. I mean, just like a tiny, tiny house. <laughs> but some people, they're kind of, I guess they're starting to catch on. I'm not saying that we should all go get tiny homes. Uh, I wouldn't mind having a Tony, a tiny, a Tony, uh, a tiny secondary home, right? But that people are starting to, they're starting to catch up. Say, man, there's more, more to life than just materialism. Number five, poor parenting. We need some more Solomons. Even though Solomon had his own issues, if you study out his life. But poor parenting, it says, we're producing undisciplined generation of young people who are poorly equipped to establish successful homes. People, by the time they say, I want to get married, they just aren't equipped. They don't know what it looks like to be successful in marriage. That the average uh, person that, that's planning a wedding... Uh, spends 11 hours a week planning the ceremony. 11 hours a week. If you multiply that over a year, it's like 1,500 hours to plan the ceremony. And if there's an average, it's $26,000 is the average price of a wedding. $26,000 hours upon hours on the ceremony. The average dollar amount spent on premarital counseling is literally zero. That's the average. <laughs> I mean, I know what the average of zero is. It's zero. The average spent on premarital counseling is zero, is, is what the average that people spend on it. Poor parenting. Number six, last one. Television and you could say Netflix, stuff like that, but they just put television. The shallow portrayals of love and their addictive tyranny of time make an effective home life most difficult. Two things. Number one, the way that they portray husbands and wives on television. Uh, it wasn't that long ago you had Everybody Loves Raymond. How many of y'all remember that show? And Raymond, he was as dumb <laughs> he in in the relationship, right? I mean, his wife, he he was the dumb one, right? And then you had the other one, Kevin James. What was that one? What was that one called? Huh? King of Queens, right? And the wife's always, you know, you idiot, you idiot, you idiot, right? So they portray it. I was watching CBS. Uh, me and my wife were sitting on the couch watching a drama. This is not a comedy. It's a drama. And there was this young man that's getting married. And uh, his parents don't think he should get married because he's too young. So they're meeting with the girl that he's going to marry. And they're like, listen, I don't think you and him should get married. We really don't want our son to get married this young. Uh, we don't think it's a good idea. And the young lady, she says, what's the big deal? She says, if we get married and it doesn't work out, we'll just get a divorce. She says, if at any time he sees somebody else he wants to be with more than me, then I give him permission to leave. And if any time I see somebody or some other opportunity that I want to pursue, then we'll just get divorced. She says, marriage is supposed to be happy and it's supposed to be fun. And what's weird about the whole episode, the whole thing there, she started convincing the mother. So the mother starts looking up like, hey, that makes sense total sense so then she says so why then should y'all get married and the young lady in her 20s she goes taxes 
get married for our taxes. And right, this is not a comedy, right? There's no like background. Oh, no, this was like, there was like totally serious. And now the mom was like, that actually makes a lot of sense to me. I mean, I know that does not make a lot of sense. <laughs> that doesn't make any sense. Uh, it, but, so, but, but we get these different portrayals, number one, of the way that they portray marriage. But then number two, he calls it the tyranny of time. Right? I mean, just spending countless hours in front of the television is not good for marriages. So he says the multifaceted assault on the home is not really that surprising. The Bible teaches that marriage and family are divine institutions. They're the first institutions established by God, and God views them as essential elements in accomplishing his purposes for the human race. For this reason, we can't expect Satan to attack them. But his attacks don't need to be successful. The God who ordained marriage in the first place can certainly make it work today. So if sociologists, they're giving us this six. And you understand there's, there's lots of studies and things that you could do. And, and, and we all know it to be true, right? Even though none of these are, are they, they're not, sociologists aren't pulling these out of the scripture. How I many I know you could look at all six of them and without a doubt, 100% across the board, there are spiritual uh, scriptures that deal with that type of stuff that says that we should be on our guard or we should be watching out for these things. So then the obvious answer is like, okay, well, going forward, how do we go forward with this? this. Uh, so I put in your worship guide the definition of united front. United front is a military term and it just means a unit formed to oppose a force that menaces the interest of all members. A unit formed to oppose a force that is menacing, that's attacking all of the members. So uh, the, the, the united force uh, is, is if you've ever seen battle or if you've ever uh, know anything, there is a front line. I mean, you know what I'm talking about. And the people on the front line are the ones that are meeting the opposition head on. And the other people, they aren't on the front line. They're on the back lines, right? They aren't having that. They aren't taking the fight to them. So I want to look at, well, what can we do to be a united front? What can we do that, that we, at least we can say, if nothing else, we are United, And we're not going to let television. We're not going to let poor parenting. There's a lot of things that we aren't going to allow to get us distracted and eating from fruit that we ain't got any business eating from. Listening to voices we don't have any business listening to. And getting our attention off of what God designed for us to be and do so that we can have one name, one purpose in one direction. So the first thing is, I give you some blank there, is just to identify your enemy. Or in other words, you can't beat your enemy if you, don't, if you don't acknowledge that he exists. Or in other words, let's say it like this. All the situations that you and I go through, it's not just life happening. How many of y'all know that we have, we have an enemy? Uh, 4% of people now are saying that, that, they, uh, that, that they, they, they don't believe in an actual, an actual devil. And when I say 4%, I'm saying uh, of, of Christians, where there's a whole crop of people that they don't even acknowledge that there is an enemy. So I'm not saying that everything that happens in our marriage is because of the devil. But how many of y'all know there is a devil? Right? And you can see coming from the Garden of Eden all the way through time and look at where we're at as a marital society now. There is an enemy and he wants to mess things up, right? So we have to at least acknowledge that there is something that's trying to bring division to us. It's not just 
life, right? And even if you're single, there's still, there's something there that's always going to be trying to bring division to you and your home life. If you're a single mom, there's always something that's going to be trying to bring a division there. If you're separated or divorced or wherever you're at, you have to at least acknowledge everything that's happening in my life may not be because of the devil, but there is a devil. There is an enemy at work and he does have an agenda, right? Because one of the things that we do as, as, as moms and dads, as parents, is we, we birth God's kids. Think about that, right? God didn't create a race. He created a man and a woman. He says, and now you're going to co-create my children. You're going to birth eternal spirits. Isn't that crazy? It's like... You have a part in eternity, and it's not a small part. You're going to birth the population of heaven. It's going to come through the seed of a man and the womb of a woman. So it's to the enemy's benefit to come in and mess that whole thing up, right? Why would he not, right? If I was an enemy, that's where I would go. That's the source of all speaking spirits, of all of God's children, of all of His creation on this planet come through that avenue. So clearly there is an enemy that's trying to use technology and anything else he can use to attack this. But praise God here... uh, It says in... I want to give you this verse before we move on. It says 2 Corinthians chapter 2 verse 11. It says, So that Satan... Will not outsmart us. We are familiar with his schemes. So step one is we just got to acknowledge that there is an enemy. And he does have schemes. He does have strategies. He does have plans. He, he does plot against us. But how many of y'all know we aren't ignorant? You should say amen. <laughs> we're not ignorant. No, we're not. He's not going to outsmart us. If nothing else, we will be united. If nothing else, he will not outsmart us. Number two, don't doubt God. God knows exactly where you are. And your spouse is the exact person you need. If you're single, God knows exactly where you are. If you're a single mom, God knows exactly where you are. If you're a single dad, God knows exactly where you are. And he knows exactly what you need. Don't doubt him. He knows where you're at. And if you are married, your spouse is the exact person you need. Don't let idealism creep in. Trust your first judgment and attraction. I mean, I know some of that that wears off a little bit. But you have to trust that God put you together. The qualities that you're missing, God supplied in them. Through every difficulty, me and my wife, we've gone through difficulty. We've gone through separation. We've gone through ups and downs. And uh, we, we've gone through a lot of that. But I've never doubted that that was that, that God's providence, that his brilliance was in the, in the midst of us. I never doubted that, right? So number two is don't, don't doubt God. He knows where you're at. He sees you. And he's got you. Number three is use your weapons. Sociologists, psychologists, psychiatrists, they can diagnose a problem. They can describe a problem. But it's only the word of God that can fix the problem. That's it. 
You can define it and you can, you can put statistics to it and you can do your focus groups and you can do your surveys and all that stuff and all of it's good and I believe in study and I believe in all that. But the only thing that fixes what the devil messed up is God. That's it. He is the solution. And the sooner we get back to his original design and the sooner we get and we find out that's why this week, this Thursday, indestructible marriage, we've had so much good feedback already. People that have been married a long time and yet still there's this, there's weapons that God gives us, right? So that we can grow, so that we can get better, so that if we've grown apart, we can come back together. If communications broke down, it can be restored. If our allegiances and our intentions, if we've gotten distracted, if we've moved into materialism, if we've moved into... To, to, to just not being on the front lines. Some of us are on the back lines. I mean, y'all know there's restoration there. There's healing in Jesus, right? That There is instructions that he gives us. There's weapons that he gives us so that we can overcome, so that we can get better. So number three is, is, is use your weapons. I'm starting a brand new series. Now, after we have our guest minister next week, we're starting a new series called Home Life. And it's all about money, Sex and raising kids, all kinds of good stuff. Home life, what is it? It's just a weapon. The Bible says the weapons of our warfare, they are not carnal, but they are mighty. And they can pull down strongholds and imaginations, things that we build up in our mind about how things aren't going to work and how it can't. The Word of God pulls those things down in every high thought that exalts itself above the knowledge of God. The Word of God dismantles those high thoughts, brings them down to where now you have a different scenery, right? You can see clearly now the rain is gone. Right, you just see, you just see different. How, how, how's that possible? The Word of God. He dismantles these things that are built up through many times years of unsatisfied marriages that he'll, he'll make it to where you can see again. But you've got to use your weapons. And the last one is be a united front. In other words, you've got to dig your heels in and you have to be united if one person is on the front lines and the other person is back here, how many of y'all know that's demoralizing? Right? If one spouse is on the front line of the finances, that, you know, that they're, that they're, they're working financially and there's some goals there, there's some parameters, there's some cohesion, there's communication, and they're on the front lines, but the other partner is way back here with no, no care for that. Man, that, 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 that's a hard battle to win. If one person is out front on the front lines, keeping the house clean, taking care of the kids, maintaining the home, but the other person is on the back line, right? Just non-existent, non-participatory in that realm of the home life. How many of y'all know it's, that's just not going to work? If one person is out on the front lines wanting to be, hey, let's work on our marriage. Let's do this. Let's do this. Let, let's go together. Let's take a trip. Let's do a date night. Let's have a family. But the other person is not united. It, there's no united front there. there, there then there's going to be a problem there. That, that's really demoralizing, right? I mean, if, if you were fighting in a battle... And you knew that there were other people that, that were perfectly capable of being on the front lines with you, defeating this enemy, but, but they're non-existent. That's a problem. So the last one is just purposing in your heart. Say, hey, I want to be a united 
front here with you. We're going we'll, we'll, we're gonna to work this thing. We're going to figure this thing out. If we'll do that, then I believe as we move into this next series that we're doing called Home Life, then God will help us so that we don't have to be a statistic, right? We don't have to go from 12, 1 out of 12, to 1 out of 8, to 1 out of 3, to now 1 out of 2. No, we can say, listen, if nothing else, I'm united to God. I'm a part of His kingdom, an eternal kingdom. And I'm united in His church, right? And we are united, but also in my home, with my kids, I train my kids, I teach my kids, I invest in my kids, I spend time with my kids. We are united with my parents or with my family, with, with what, whatever your family life looks like. If, if nothing else, you can't purpose to say, I am united. We have one name, one direction, one heart, one purpose going forward. So I'm looking forward to the next, next few weeks. It's going to be good. I encourage you not to miss it and be a part. And the last verse I want to give you, it's on your worship guide. It says, can two walk together without agreeing on the direction? The obvious answer is no. You have to agree in, in, in where you're going if you're going to get there. Either one person is going to stop or they're going to peel off but we have to move into agreement. And everybody knows a house divided against itself cannot what? Cannot stand. House divided, Jesus said it can't stand.